This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I am a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I interviewed Hilary. Hilary is a cancer survivor and was a single mum at the time that she went through her cancer treatment. And later, after meeting her Prince Charming, they decided to pursue surrogacy. As you'll hear, it really wasn't smooth sailing. They ended up investigating several countries before finally achieving a pregnancy in Canada with the help of a donor. I'm always inspired when I meet intended mothers um, who have often gone through infertility and loss or cancer treatment and then to come out the other side and to pursue surrogacy really shows great strength and tenacity. Anyway, without further ado, here is Hilary. Uh, my name is Hilary and my husband Ben and I live in Melbourne and we have two boys, a 10-year-old called Jordan and a five-and-a-half-month-old called Leo. Okay, that's lovely. So tell me, uh, I understand Jordan's from a previous relationship, is that right? Yes, he is. Okay, and you were a single mum for a little while? Uh, yeah, pretty much from the get-go I was a single mum. So I was um, pregnant with um, Jordan um, as a single mum. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then how did you end up coming to surrogacy? Uh, back in 2010, uh, Jordan was two, two and a half. Um, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Um, uh, yeah, as, as devastating as it was being told that uh, I had cancer, for me, the treatment of cervical cancer was to have a hysterectomy um, and that was what... Um, was the most um, upsetting news for me um, at the time. Um, I desperately wanted to have more children of more children. Um, I wanted to, to meet my Prince Charming. I wanted to have more babies. Um, and being told I had to have a hysterectomy as a single mum was um, it was just absolutely devastating for me. Yeah. Um, How did they find the cancer? Was it through a routine Pap smear? No, I'd actually had a clear Pap smear six months um, earlier. Um, I just had some light swabbing, so um, went to the doctor eventually after a few months, thought I'd better get this checked out. Um, and then yeah, pretty much straight away um, they said, yeah, we think you've got cancer, you need to go and see a, a specialist. Yeah, and as a single mum, that must have been very challenging. Uh, it was, actually. Um, I was very lucky that I had um, you know, a really fantastic support network around me. I had um, my mum and dad, who were there through every step of the way, um, had a, you know, a great bunch of girlfriends that um, were always there to cheer me up uh, when I needed it. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of support um, and um, you know, I pretty much got through the whole um, cancer journey. It was a six-month journey. I got through it pretty well, but um, as I said, the, the low moments for me was, was finding out that um, you know, a result of, of the cancer would be that I'd be um, in full time moving forward. So mm. that was something that... Um, I didn't deal with well at the time and um, took me many years to, um, well, actually, no, I still probably think about it often now. So um, it was something that um, I really struggled to sort of hang around and accept. Were you given any uh, formal, like, counselling or support to work through that? Um, I did. I went saw a, a counsellor um, for one session, but it wasn't really sort of my cup of tea. I found um, by talking to my mum's a psychologist, so... By talking to her about um, my feelings, um, that helped a bit. But um, for me, I'm someone that just sort of needed to, um, uh, I guess, focus on the future and try and put a plan in place of, of how I could overcome this. Um, the, you know, um, basically 
throughout my treatment. Um, I was single, but um, a week after my last um, treatment, I did meet my husband. So once I met Ben, we were able to put a plan in place of, of how to actually, um, you know, overcome that, that infertility. Mm. Were you given the option to um, harvest any eggs before you started, uh, before you had the hysterectomy? Uh, no. So what happened was that I had the hysterectomy um, and my surgeon said to me, the good news is, is that um, we'll leave your ovaries intact and you'll be able to retrieve eggs down the track. So that was my sad and grace. I thought, um, you know, I might not be able to carry a baby, but um, you know, I'll definitely be able to have, have babies by our surrogate down the track and, and, and be able to extract eggs when I needed them. Um, so after the hysterectomy, once they were in there actually um, doing the hysterectomy, my surgeon found um, the cancer had spread quite extensively to my lymph nodes. Um, and then he came and gave me the devastating news that I'd actually have to then go and have um, further treatment and that was chemo and um, radiation. And he did say, unfortunately, that means that your ovaries um, will eventually stop working. So it was at that point he gave me an option of seeing um, uh, someone to, to extract um, some eggs, which everyone in my family thought I was crazy. They just thought, you know, you've been given this pretty bad prognosis. Um, you know, you need to go and get this treatment done straight away. But the thing that was on my mind was that I really, really wanted to have more kids down the track and it was really important for me to at least give it an, an attempt to, um, to try and retrieve as many eggs as possible. So off I went on my own. I didn't really... Um, yeah, have anyone to go with me because uh, my family just they weren't very supportive with it, of it they just wanted me to get this treatment done and they just thought you know you have a you have a child um let's just move on and focus on treatment but for me it was you know really important that um i, I tried to, to get some eggs um retrieved um and i did i got seven eggs retrieved um through melbourne ivf which at the time i thought was a great number but um and they did give me the odds that, you know, obviously at each step of the, the thawing process and creating embryos and whatnot, um, you know, your odds do decrease of actually getting a live baby at the end of it. So, um, but I, I try not to focus on that at the time. I thought, oh, well, I've got some eggs stored. Um, you know, we'll, we'll tackle that, that um, when we got to that. Mm. What happened with those eggs? Uh, so once um, I met my husband, um, a couple of years down the track, we got married. Once we got married, we decided... Um, it was time to pursue surrogacy. Um, in the, along the way, I would had been researching overseas options. Um, and, and along the way, you know, India shut down. Um, we were considering Thailand. We even met up with um, someone to discuss that further and then that shut down. So my husband and I got really panicked and thought, you know, all these um, um, options are, are closing their doors. And um, we, we panicked and um, the next best thing was Nepal at the time. There was a lot of people doing it. Um, I thought I did a lot of research um, into it. We even went over to Nepal and checked everything out ourselves. Um, we decided that was um, how we were going to have a baby. Um, so we flew over, we checked everything out. I had my eggs shipped over to Nepal and we had seven embryos. Um, they all thawed and we had seven embryos created, which... I thought it was fantastic at the time. We were all on cloud nine. This was going to work. It was fantastic. Um, our first transfer, we actually were pregnant um, and we were just absolutely over the moon and um, yeah, never thought that it wasn't going to work. Um, and then, unfortunately, around the time of the earthquake, our surrogate um, miscarried. Wow. So, um, yeah, we lost that baby. 
um, and then shortly after that we had a few more transfers and um, none of them worked. So mm. um, it was a it was a really, really, really awful time for us. Um, it was probably about four, four months, I think, of just absolute hell of constantly getting bad news. I think we had two miscarries actually in that time and then mm. it ended up all, obviously, my... My, um, my precious eggs, our embryos. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a really, really tough time that we went through. Constantly I can imagine. Getting, you know, bad news, getting mm-hmm. the bad news. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was awful. So when that last um, transfer didn't work, I actually felt um, almost relieved because I just felt we could just close the door on that chapter and then start fresh somewhere else because um, it just wasn't working and... Um, at the time, um, the pool shut down in, in, at the time as well. So it just, um, yeah, we, we felt really uncomfortable with the whole decision going to Nepal and thought, um, let's just start fresh somewhere else. Mm. Did you ever consider doing it through an Australian surrogacy arrangement? Um, we did, uh, but I, um, I, I, I sort of asked friends and family, well, I put it out there to friends and family that we were looking um, for a surrogate, one or two people expressed an interest, but they weren't quite um, either the timing was off or um, yeah, it was mainly the timing was off for a couple of them, I think. Um, so we just didn't have any options here in Australia. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I wasn't heavily involved in the um, the online um, community then. Like I think um, yeah, I'm, I'm much more active now. Back in the day, back then I wasn't, so I um I didn't really think it was a possibility of meeting a stranger to do it for us. Yeah. Um, it was more hopeful that someone, a friend or a family, would do it for us, and mm. and, and there seemed to be no one suitable or no one willing. So um, we so, thought our only option was to go overseas. Yeah. So um, given all your embryos had been used up, what was your next step? Uh, well, once we had the results from our last transfer, we pretty much hit rock bottom. Uh, I say I was relieved, but there was also a really, it was quite devastating as well. Um, I still remember, um, my mum came over, my husband was sitting there, we were sitting there on the couch. I just couldn't stop crying for a couple of days, to be honest. I was just completely and utterly devastated and, um, remember saying some stupid comment to my husband, you know, if you want to if you want to go and find someone else to have babies with and, you know, leave me, I totally understand, you know, I'm the one that um, um, has put you in this position. But, um, yeah, they both looked at me and said, don't be stupid. Let's just focus on the next move here. So, um, yeah, we pretty much hit rock bottom. Um, We had already bought tickets to go to a um, a seminar in Melbourne, which was a couple of days later. And um, I armed an and I said to my husband, Maybe we shouldn't go. I don't really feel like doing talking anything seriously at the moment. Um, we might just need a little break. Um, and then, you know, two days later, I said to my husband, come on, let's do it. Let's just go. We've got the tickets. Can't hurt. And it was the best thing that um, we ever did because um, just to go to a, uh, a seminar and hear other people tell their stories, um, to meet other people that were going through you know, similar things to us was just so refreshing and we kind of felt like we weren't alone um, and it gave us a, a sense of direction because um, there was um, an agency talking in at the seminar um, for Canada 
And so our focus shifted to Canada as potentially being an option for us. Mm. But did you consider any other countries before you went to Canada? Uh, no, not really. Canada was sort of the next of, um, best option for us. Um, the US, I just heard, and my limited research I've done was just way too expensive for us. We just couldn't afford it. Um, so Canada seemed to be the next sort of the next affordable option. Um, yeah. Mm. How did you find the um, the agency and the process through Canada? Um, yeah, we, we found it pretty good, actually, to begin with. Um, we signed up with um, Canadian Fertility Consultants, CFC. Um, they were fantastic when we were doing the research. I did also, I researched a few other agencies, um, researched clinics, um, lawyers, um, you name it. I, I Skyped, there was probably about a month there where I was Skyping, you know, numerous people each week. Um, just doing all the, the research that I had to do before we decided on actually going through with CFC as our agent. Um, we signed up, um, uh, I think it was, God, I think it was late, no, early 2016, January 2016, and by March we had uh, matched with a surrogate. So how their process works is that um, once you sign up with them, you don't pay any money, you just fill out a, um, what they call it as a bio form um, to tell a little bit about yourself and, and why you're looking for a surrogate. Um, and then they pass on um, to us surrogates profiles. And if there's a surrogate that comes along that we like um, the sound of and we're interested in getting to know, then we um, quickly speak up and say, yes, we're interested in this one. Um, and then if the surrogate's keen to meet us, um, we have a two-week matching um, period. And then you, um, yeah, talk and, and Skype and email as much as you want. And then after that two weeks, you decide whether or not you want to proceed. Um, so that was, we um, we got sent probably about four different um, profiles before we decided on um, Natasha, our surrogate. And I can't even describe, I can't explain what it was about her profile that just um, stood out. But um, we just got a really good feel from we just got a really good feel about it and her photo that she had, she was actually a single mum and she had this, you know, really lovely photo of her and her son and it was just, there was something about this photo. She just had a look of, of kindness about her um, and we're so glad that we um, said we were interested in meeting her because, um, yeah, she felt the same way about us and um, after the two weeks we both decided to, we'd like to proceed. Um, uh, amongst all this, I'd actually well, obviously had to find some eggs. Um, so after we went to this seminar and we decided, you know, Canada was where we would focus our attention on, I was doing all the research for, for Canada, but in the background as well, I was having to think about where we were going to get some eggs from. Um, we always thought we'd probably go down um, just to an, an anonymous, anonymous egg donor. Um, but um, I, I don't even know what, made me think of my cousin. Um, we hadn't spoken in many, many years. It was just um, that side of the family, we just lost touch. Um, and of all my female cousins, she, would, she was the most ideal in terms of age. Um, she looked like me. I remember when she was younger, we used to get along really well and had a lot of things in common. Um, and um, I just yeah had this crazy idea of maybe she'd be maybe maybe she could be my egg donor. 
Um, and um, I remember talking to a good friend about it and I, and I sort of told her what I was thinking. I said, am I stupid to even, like, put it out there? And she said, no, you're not. She said, you never forgive yourself if you don't at least make contact with her and see whether it's something she might be interested in doing. So um, I did. And, um, yeah, I expected her to sort of politely say, no, thank you and best of luck. But um, she actually came back to me and said, wow, um, you know, thanks for sharing your story. Um, I didn't know, you know, everything that you've gone through. It's really touching. Um, you know, can I talk to my husband and, and I'll come back to you? And when I read that message, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, my God, she, she may actually be considering this. Mm. Um, and then from there we actually spent um, quite a few weeks just actually getting to know each other a bit more, reconnecting. And she was asking lots of questions that sometimes I had some answers I had, some I didn't um, in terms of the whole process. But, um, yeah, after a while um, she suggested maybe catching up in person. She lived in Sydney and I'm from Melbourne, so... I said to her, you don't have to go anywhere. We'll come up to you. Um, so we did. We um, made a little trip up to see her um, and it was over dinner that her and her husband um, said to us, we've decided we will go ahead and do this for you. So That's lovely. It was, um, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. And um, even the whole way through getting to know her again, I remember saying to my husband, you know, even if, she decides not to proceed with this. It's still been really lovely just to, to reconnect and, and um, become, you know, friends with her again. So it was, was it important for you to have that genetic connection through her um, donating the eggs? Uh, initially, I didn't even really think about it. Um, I just thought, no, I, I just want this baby. I don't, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't have to have that family relation. But once I got it in my head that, there could be that sort of link. Um, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't stop thinking about it. So, yeah, initially, no, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't um, an issue um, or a desire, but um, well, once I actually thought about it, I thought how lovely that would be. And the fact that, yeah, she, she looks very similar to me. Um, yeah, I just thought it would be really nice. Um, it would be really nice to have that link, yes. Mm. For the um, embryo creation, did she have to travel to Canada or were you able to create the embryos here in Australia and then transport them? Uh, we did everything in, um, through Jenea in Sydney. Mm -hmm. We had to go up. There was obviously um, some counselling sessions that we could do via Skype and then there was one we had to do in person. So um, my husband Ben and I um, flew up one day for a joint counselling session, which um, was actually was good to, to all be in the same room and um, for the, um, the nurse to ask some, um, some you know, pretty important questions. Um, but everything went really well. Um, we were all both on the same page. All four of us were all on the same page with everything. Um, and, yeah, it was actually quite nice. So once um, all the counselling um, was completed, then the, um, and my husband's sperm was obviously... Um, retrieved and um, the embryos were created in Sydney. Okay. Did you have any difficulty getting the embryos transported over to Canada? No, not at all actually. Um, when I first made contact with Jenea, I, I explained the situation to them. I said, we're looking at um, finding a, you know, a surrogate in Canada and that it was an egg donation from my cousin and then we'd need to send the embryos, create the embryos in Sydney and then ship them over to Canada. 
I know when I first rang up, the person I spoke to said, well, I'll have to get back to you and see whether it is um, something that we're willing to do. And I explained to them it's altruistic, it's not commercial, um, you know, there should be no reason why you can't do this for me. And they came back and said, yes, that's fine, we are okay with this. So Janea were on board um, and I used um, SFS Pharma to ship the embryos over. I've used them previously to ship the eggs to Nepal. So um, mm. I had a good relationship with them and, and had felt comfortable with them. Yeah. And um, it's just a matter of filling out forms and they do all the rest and keep them informed along the way. So mm -hmm. I didn't have any problems whatsoever. Well, good. So tell me what happened once the embryos were over in uh, Canada? Uh, so when the embryos got to Canada, um, we had already matched with Natasha. We had, um, once we matched with her, we had to pay our agency fee and then we had to get um, Natasha medically screened. That actually took a lot longer than we expected. Um, I don't know whether they're just a little bit slower in Canada. I don't know whether my, my surrogate did get a little bit bamboozled with all the tests and, and things she had to get done. Um, she was constantly sort of waiting for people to call her to make these appointments, um, which I actually found really difficult sitting here in Australia being a little bit helpless. Um, I'm a project manager, so for me, I just wanted to, to get in there and start making calls and, you know, putting a... Um, pressure on people to to get appointments and whatnot so um with Natasha was a little bit more relaxed about it I didn't want to be too aggressive and too um controlling so I had to sort of try and sit back a little bit but still try and guide her through the whole process so I did find that um a little bit challenging did the, um, the agency support her along the way um I think the agency were less supportive than I expected them to be. I sort of expected you paying a lot of money that um, it wasn't just a matching fee, it was just more um, a whole um, support from start to finish. I expected um, for them to be knowing where we're at in our, in our journey, for them to be checking in and saying, um, you know, do you need any help? How's it all going? Basically, you didn't hear from the agency unless you had a problem and you reached out to help for them from them. And in that respect, they're actually pretty good. So when things were, when we encountered a problem or a delay and I sort of, I couldn't speed the process up out myself or wasn't getting anywhere, then I actually did reach out for help. And um, they were good. They'd then step in, they, they got an appointment, you know, within a week and, um, yeah, they were good. Okay, um, good. So um, tell me about the transfers then into Natasha. So uh, once the embryos were there, once the, she was medically um, cleared, um, we had a transfer scheduled for, I think it was June or July 2016. So we were very excited. We thought this one's going to work. It's going it's, 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 to, this one's, you know, it's going to work. Um, we only had three embryos um, that we created through Janea and we had them um, tested. Um, so smaller numbers than I was hoping for because obviously previously we'd had seven and none of them worked. So I was really, really worried that um, of the three that we wouldn't have any success. Um, anyway, we were um, all very excited, um, very much looking forward to that first transfer. And then unfortunately a week before the scheduled transfer of my surrogate, um, I got a phone call from the clinic. Um, the clinic I decided... Um, to go with was create fertility and they they were fantastic 
by the way. Um, anyway, I got a phone call late one night from my nurse, um, whose name happened to be called Hillary as well. And I thought, oh no, this doesn't sound good. Um, she said, I, I wanted to call you. Natasha was, Natasha wanted me to call you and let you know that unfortunately she's in hospital. Um, Natasha had had a sling band put in many, many years ago and it had actually ruptured just before the transfer. Oh, wow. Which was probably a good thing. In, and it's, in hindsight, it was a good thing that it happened before and, and not during or after yep. um, the pregnancy. So, yeah, at the time we just said, look, as long as Natasha's okay, you know, if this delays us, it's fine, you know, please, you know, just as long as she's okay because she was, she was devastated and, and didn't want mm. to tell us herself um, oh. or things. So, um, yeah, look, we ended up having a, a six-month delay. She had to then have um, minor surgery and um, we wanted to wait a couple of months before she was ready to go again. So that um, six months was... Again, really, really hard, hard wait. Um, yeah, so um, after the six months, um, we transferred in the January 2017 and the first transfer didn't work. So again, another sort of um, hurdle. And then we went again in February um, and the second transfer, we decided to put, we decided our last two embryos, we just go all in and put them both in. Um, and um, one, uh, we, it was a result of um, yeah, one, one, one single pregnancy. Wow. What was that like in the, that two-week wait? Oh, horrible. Yeah, uh, just absolutely horrible. Because we'd had so many transfers in Nepal um, and then, you know, obviously these two transfers, the two-week, I just, yeah, the two-week wait period was just horrible each and every time. And, um, yeah, just looking back, I just, oh, I just cringe at the thought of just those, you know, two weeks of waiting. Mm. Um, but obviously this time round, though, um, we got good news. So, um, mm. and again, you, you still, you're excited, but you can't get too excited because you think, you know, it might not work and it didn't work, you know, previously for us. So um, the first 12 weeks... Um, were incredibly difficult, yeah. And what was it like being distant from Natasha? Um, yeah, look, I think it was it was difficult, but we were chatting, to, you know, we were chatting most days in the end, um, or if not every second day. So um, we got to know her really well, and it wasn't always just about the pregnancy. It was just, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing? Um, yeah, we just, we got to know each other's each other so well, and, what we were up to all the time and what was going on in our lives. Um, so we did stay in, you know, constant contact. Um, I ended up going over for the 20-week scan. Um, my husband wasn't very, I wouldn't say supportive of it. Um, he was okay with me going, but he didn't quite see the need. Um, he, um, yeah, he said, if you want to go, go. Um, but, yeah, he didn't quite, quite understand why I really wanted to get over there. And I'm so, so, so glad I did. Um, I was incredibly nervous of meeting her for the first time. But as soon as, you know, I met her, she just, she was so lovely and exactly what I imagined her to be. Um, I stayed with her for, it was just a quick visit. It was just a week or five, I think it was five nights. And um, she has a, a three-year-old son at the time. She had, her son was three at the time. She was a single mum. So when she picked me up from the airport at, 
I think it was a midnight because I had a, a big delay getting in, which I felt awful about. This pregnant woman waiting up to midnight to pick me up, but she wouldn't have it. I kept saying, I'll catch a cab or, or, you know, don't worry about me. I'll, I'll stay at the a hotel for the night. She said, don't be stupid. Um, she was there waiting for me. Um, she took me back to her place. She gave me her room and she shared a single bed with her three-year-old son. Oh, wow. And she would not have a bar of it when I kept saying, well, no, I can't, I can't do this, I can't do this. I'll sleep in, you know, his bed. You guys sleep in the king-size bed. She said, no, 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 you're the guest, you know. So um, she was just so, so, so giving and lovely. Um, it was really, really nice to spend those five days with her and her son. Yeah. Um, and to be there for the scan was just amazing. You know, my surrogate me, we were crying. Um, we had Ben, um, my husband, um, live streaming it. So um, he was included in it and it was just just magical. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm so glad I went over there mm. um, and stuck to my gums and, and, and decided to do that. How old was your, your biggest son throughout all of that process? Uh, he was nine. And, and what does he think about the whole thing? Oh, he's, he's, we've been pretty honest with him from the start. Um, he's always known that mummy couldn't have any more babies. Um, when um, I met Ben, um, he knew that we would have to find a surrogate or find someone else to carry our baby. So he's just known from the start, you know, what we'd have to go through. Um, and he's always just wanted a brother or sister. So he's, um, yeah, been very excited um, the whole way through. Um, and, um, yeah, he just loves his little brother. So he's... Um, did all three of you travel over there for the birth? Yes, we did actually. Um, we decided to um, fly into America first and spend two weeks there as a family, um, spending some quality time with each other. Um, we took Jordan to Disneyland and some basketball games and had a great old time. Um, and then um, the plan was to fly into Canada when Natasha was um, 37 weeks pregnant, I think, and she was due to have a C-section at, um, at 38 weeks. Um, we were in San Francisco um, due to fly out in, I think it was in three days' time when Natasha rang me um, one day and said, I'm really, really, really sorry, I've just had a check-up and... My blood pressure is really, really high. And she told us that her blood pressure was high, but she sort of downplayed it a lot, saying, you know, it's a bit high, but I'm just, you know, I'm looking after myself. I'm, you know, resting and everything's fine. Um, so we, we didn't think it was that serious. But, um, yeah, that day that she called us um, and she said, you know, um, I'm just waiting for a doctor to come see me. I'll let you know as soon as I know what's happening. Um, and, yeah, basically didn't move from that spot all day, I was held this phone in my hand thinking, my God, do I book flights? What do I do? And I just had to sit there and wait till I found out more information. Um, mm. And um, I kept saying to my husband, I think we need to book flights. This is it. Start packing, you know. And he's like, oh, don't be don't be silly, you know, it'll be fine, you know, don't worry, let's not jump to conclusions. I'm like, no, no, I'm pretty sure that um, we'll be having this baby sooner rather than later. And, um, yeah, basically at 6 o'clock, that night, it was a Thursday night, um, Natasha rang back and she said, okay, they've admitted me, um, we're having this baby tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, basically jump on the first flight you can. So I said to her, I'm really sorry, I'll call you back, I have to go, I have to, I have to do a million things. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, we basically started packing, um, changed flights, which cost us an absolute um, arm and a leg. 
um, but the first flight we could get was six o'clock the next morning. So we basically drove to the airport that night, slept on a one and do much sleeping. But um, yeah, parked ourselves at the airport waiting to get on that plane at um, you know, six o'clock the next day. I remember um, messaging Natasha the next day saying, we're just about to jump on a plane. Um, I won't be able to um, respond to messages for the next couple of hours. Hopefully they, you know, can, you can have the C-section later, but if it um, has to happen early this morning, then, you know, do what's best um, for you and Bubs and um, we'll, we'll, we'll see you as soon as we can. So um, there was two flights to get to Canada, Edmonton, Canada, is where um, Natasha lived. So we had two flights. So the first flight we arrived in Vancouver and I checked my phone straight away and there was a message from Natasha and she said, um, I'm really sorry, they're wheeling me off right now. And um, basically... I looked at my husband and I had a few tears down my face and said, well, we've, we've had a baby. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so there was a few tears shed, but we just focused on getting on that next plane, getting in the car, getting to the hospital as soon as we could. Um, yeah, so unfortunately we missed the birth, um, but the, the main thing was that Natasha was fine and, um, and, and Leo was fine. So, mm. And so a little baby boy called Leo... Yes, we didn't even know what we were having, actually. Um, and we said to Natasha, if you have the baby, um, don't tell us what you're having. You know, we'll, we'll get to the hospital and um, we can find out then. Um, yeah, so it was a nice surprise when we got there. Um, it was quite surreal, actually. We, we arrived at the hospital, got led to her room, opened the door, and there's um, Natasha holding little Leo in her, in her arms. And then, um, yeah, I think everyone was crying and... It was only probably, yeah, I, I can't remember, could have, been a, could have been 30 seconds, could have been three minutes, I don't know. Eventually I just said, what is it? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Like, <laughs> and I uh, found out he was a little boy. So um, we were um, just, yeah, completely smitten from the get-go. Of course. Oh, you've got my old tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, wow, what a whirlwind. Yeah, it, it was exactly that. Yeah. How long did you spend in Canada after the birth? Uh, I think um, two and a half weeks, between two and a half and three weeks. It actually all happened really quickly. Um, so he was born at 9.30 in the morning. We arrived there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We all stayed there that night in the hospital. Natasha said, um, you know, it's too dark. It was, it, was, it was freezing over there and it was it was dark really early. And she said um, we were going to stay at her house for, for a couple of nights while she was in hospital um, and she said, it's too late to go out anywhere. You guys stay here. And I said, are you sure you've just had a baby and you're okay with me and Ben and Jordan, my eldest, we're all going to camp out in your room? <laughs> she said, yeah, of course. And she was pretty drunk up as well. She was like, yeah, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. <laughs> and she was so lovely. Um, I actually got us a bigger room. So it was quite a, a really, quite a big room. And we had a few, um, few sort of um, couches up one end that we all stayed on um, with Leo and then Natasha had the bed at the front time by herself. So um, the next day we were able to take him home, which was just amazing. As you said, it was a, it was, um, a bit of a whirlwind. One minute we're in America holidaying and the next minute we're there with our, with our baby. Um, but it was the best thing, best feeling being able to take him out of the hospital and at our surrogate's house for a night. And um, it was just lovely having that time to ourselves. Can I ask about the induced lactation? Yes. So um, a few years ago, I didn't even know that it was possible. And I just happened to be, um, I must have seen a post come up on the Australian um, Surrogacy Facebook page about it. 
and my interest just um, picked up because I breastfed my eldest son um, and loved breastfeeding him and I never thought I'd be able to breastfeed again and when I found out it was possible I thought wow that's something I really 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 want to um, look into so um, pretty much once we found out we were pregnant I think I waited until the 12 week scan actually because I wanted to make sure it was definitely happening um, I went and saw a lactation consultant and um, she um, pretty much put me on the, the human gold fab protocol which involves taking um, um, taking the birth control pill and also taking a drug called Molotum, um, which basically the side effect of that is um, milk production. Um, so I took that until nine weeks before Leo's birth. And at the nine week mark, I stopped taking the birth control pill and then I started pumping around the clock, which was bloody hard work. <laughs> Every three hours I was pumping. Um, even at work, um, at night I used to get up, um, yeah, pumped. I was always pumping. Um, but it did work, so I slowly started to, to get some milk. Um, and before Leo was born, I, was, I think I had, was getting about 250 mils a day, which is actually not a lot, but... Sounds um, huge, though. Yeah, it sounds oh, huge. For the, for the, I, I'm not actually able to exclusively feed him. I have to top up with um, with formula. So there's other ladies out there that had, you know, they were getting much bigger numbers before the babies were born and they've gone on to exclusively feed. So, um, look, I did an okay job, but um, and I, I try not to, to beat myself up about it. It was always a we'll see how I go type of thing. So mm. I am just grateful that I'm able to, to feed him um, what I do feed him. So um, I do know that when I got to the hospital after Leo was born, when I put him on, my breast and he started feeding I just yeah I was crying I looked at my husband and I'm like it's working it's happening I can't believe it and yeah my husband just looked at me and said I'm, I'm really proud of you all that hard work has, has paid off so you're um, amazing that's it's a huge amount of work that I've heard and yeah. as you know breastfeeding in usual circumstances can be challenging exactly yeah. inducing lactation and doing it around the clock and then hoping yeah. it works it's not yeah. the thing harder that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> How did you manage to induce lactation and do all the pumping while you were on holidays overseas? Uh, that was hard work, yeah. I think it was only after I booked the holiday I turned to my husband and I said, oh, no, <laughs> how the hell am I going to do that? I said, you know, I'm going to be pumping, like, while we're doing tourist stuff, while we're on the plane, you name it, I'm going to be pumping, pumping, pumping. Mm. Um, but he was incredibly supportive of me. Um, and um, I know when I first started pumping, I was quite secretive about it I'd go down to the room and I'd you know pump in um, by myself and by the end my, my, my 10 year old son was like oh I don't want to see that by the end of it like I was just pumping in front of them and they didn't even bat an eyelid you know it's become the norm to, for me to have the boobs out so um <laughs> they were both very supportive and um yeah they, they were lovely but it was it was hard it was and, and I took a I took a manual pump over with me and the batteries stopped working or I would take it out. When we went to the to Disneyland one day, I'd, I'd pack it with me and I'd forget one tube or one part of it and, oh, it was just a nightmare. Every time I tried to pump, there was some sort of issue, so I just have to um, to, to manually um, express. So, Well, I'm very impressed. Which, um, yeah, I was pumping all, my, all the way around America. <laughs> yeah, that, that is amazing. Well done. Well yeah. done. 
So um, going forward, would you have any advice for anyone that was considering surrogacy overseas? Um, yes, I would say just do your research. Um, don't just speak to one lawyer. Speak. To, I think I Skyped about four lawyers until I just had a feeling that that, that lawyer just we just connected really well. Um, you know, I Skyped lots of clinics, agencies. Um, just speak to everyone and anyone um, until you sort of get a really good feeling from someone before you make a decision. Um, also, um, be active on the Australian Surrogacy um, Facebook page. Um, when I found, I, I don't even know how, I, I've got lots of friends through the surrogacy world and I look back and I kind of remember how I became friends with them. It's normally you see a post about something that you're both researching and then you think, oh, I might just ask this girl if she knows, um, you know, something more about whatever you're looking at. Um, so yeah, I've met lots of friends along the way, mainly, yeah, from from sharing research notes. Um, there was actually four girls um, that we started a little group chat when we were all looking at um, um, surrogacy in Canada. Two of them went on to, to, to go to um, US and, um, and two of us stayed with Canada. So we were sharing notes along the way for a couple of months there. So that was really lovely. Yeah. So just research, research and um, reach out to other people going through it. I really enjoyed hearing Hilary's story and I think she's got some great advice for intended parents, particularly who are considering overseas surrogacy. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram or on Facebook or at sarahjefford.com.